All right, good morning, everyone. It is Sunday Funday once again. Uh, welcome to the Gnostic Church and Academy of Lord Jesus Christ. I am teacher of the mysteries and preacher of the heart, Brother Marty Leeds. Welcome, welcome all. So glad you could join me today. This is going to be a good one today. I keep saying that. They're all, they're all good, right? We all enjoy this. That's why, we're, that's why you're here. So looks like uh, Mimi M is here. Numero uno. That's what you are, Mimi M. The rebel preacher. Uh, B. Strutt, Mike Bravo, Joe Five O, Brian Rose, Doug Roth. Uh, welcome, blessings. Thank you all for joining me this morning. So, uh, once again, <clears throat> Sunday service, service every Sunday at nine o'clock sharp. Uh, services in the car. That's right. Preaching in the old Honda here. Sermons on in the Honda. I think we call them. So, service every Sunday at nine o'clock, and that's what we'll be doing. Okay. And so stop on back. That's when you'll find me. Uh, that's where and when you'll find me. Same bad time, same bad channel, same bad place. You know the you know the deal. All right. I, first off, I just want to get a few thank yous out of the way and let you guys know some of the things that's coming up on the horizon. Uh, we've been very busy. And by we, I mean my wife and I. I've been. <laughs> she basically works for me now. She's sort of like my secretary. Um, <clears throat> sexiest secretary you've ever seen, that's for sure. Anyway, she's been uh, helping me a lot with some of the projects behind the scenes, and we got a lot of things coming up. So first off, I want to say, uh, you guys can all hear me, right? We're good? Yes, good morning. Everyone's okay. Um, first, I want to say thank you. I got a nice card from Philip Hunt here. Uh, beautiful little card, little package, sent a little donation. Really appreciative. Uh, Jennifer ha will put in the, um, uh, in the comment section there, in the, the live feed there, She'll put the address if you guys want to send a donation or anything, you know, care package or anything like that. That's fine, as, as well as places you can support, donate, that sort of thing. Sign up at the site. She'll, you know, as this uh, stream goes, she'll punch that in there. Won't you, baby? You will. So I just want to say thank you. Really appreciate that. It's so wonderful to receive that stuff in the mail. So thank you so much, Mr. Philip Hunt. Um, oh, right. Some things that are up uh, on the horizon, things we're working on. Just, um, I'm redoing basically the fi final volumes of Pi and uh, the English Alphabet volumes one through three. I'm combining them into one book, updating them all. And then I'm also doing an updated version of the Peacock's Tales, new uh, cover art, basically edited the whole thing. Um, <clears throat> and I'm moving everything off Amazon and we're getting over to my new publisher just because I want to be done with Amazon. And so that's in the works. Peacock's Tales is uh, done. It's edited. And we're just waiting for the review copy. And then I'll be working on Pi and uh, 1 through 3. And um, yeah, I, re I read through Peacock's Tales again, which has been literally years since I've even touched it. And I was like picking it up. I thought I was like, oh, this might be kind of cringe looking at it. But it's I was very surprised. It still holds up. And, and I'm very, very proud of that book. So and, you know, I basically went in there and took any, updated it, you know, final edition, took any fluff out and anything that was sort of conjecture and just sort of uh, told the story and uh, really proud of that book. So I'm um, going to be doing the same with Pi and T volume uh, one through three. So volumes one through three, as of probably maybe like next week, will no longer be available um, until I do the new edition. So that's just how it is. So um, I'm also doing Marty Leeds a songbook. I've got maybe... I don't know, 60, 80 songs that I've written over the years since like 2001. And so I just put all the uh, music and the lyrics, not all the music, but some of the music and the lyrics into a songbook just, just for fun. That's going to be available on my site. Not that I don't really expect anybody to buy that, but it was a nice artistic project to do. So that's going to come up. Also, we've got um, our rosaries in, um, and they're custom rosaries. They're really nice. These are really nice rosaries. We had them custom done. 
part of the stuff. Some of it's from like Italy. Um, just beautiful crosses. I actually we ordered these, and Jennifer and I have our own individual ones, and we actually both we like these better than the ones we have. So. The, we're going to do a package deal is what we're going to do. We're getting custom Bibles. So authorized King James, <clears throat> the King James Version Bible, um, little like basically like a compact size, like a small size that you can take with along with your rosary. And then we're also um, some stickers, a letter from the, it'll be sort of a package, a Bible, King James Version Bible, the rosary. We're selling it as a package too. I don't think we're going to separate um, separate these things and sell them as one. Um, that a little uh, readout of actually what the rosary is. We're working on this, so we get we're getting these printed. Really nice. This is just the you know the draft or whatever, but basically explaining the rosary, the beads on the rosaries, the prayers, um, the mystical math behind the rosary. So that's um, all on in the works, and I'm, I'm hoping next month we'll have those available, and that'll be like I said, sort of a package deal, just sort of introduction to the to the order to the Gnostic order. My lord, my hair here. Okay. So, um, more on the hit parade, the astrology of the Old and New Testaments. Basically, this is the next book that I'm working on. I was trying to figure out if I was going to do like a children's book, like a quadrivium thing. And then we ended up talking to our friend Bonnie, who I have uh, enormous respect for. I love her very much. And she basically said, well, you know, you don't really need to make a children's book. Just make a book that is a teaching book because there's people of all levels. You know, there are adults that don't know some of the stuff and there are people that are, you know, 15 years old that know more about the stars than some of the adults. So she was like, don't aim it towards, you know, a certain age group. Just make a book on, you know, understanding astrology, understanding star study. And so I'm going to do that. Include, I think, all the, like, uh, probably 88 constellations, like their etymology, um, where they are in the sky, the the lore, myths around them, and then as well go into some of the key things, uh, stories within the Bible, Old and New Testament. Just a collection of them. I'm not going to go crazy with it. Just to show that, once again, just as we've done you know, throughout these live streams, that you really can't understand the Bible at all unless you bring astrology to it. And then once once you do, it's like whoa! These these stories they just they unfold right before you. You know the Bible all of a sudden makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? So, uh, also working on a new EP called Based and Loaded. Probably four or five songs. I've got four written. I might do another one, and I've just got to record them. So that's on. It's on the horizon. And then also we're going to do basically a list of sort of guidelines for the order for the the church here. And we're going to do it in the same sort of thing um, as I did the unanimous redeck here. Going to put it in a little book. So it's going to have an affidavit of status, the attestation of faith we're going to include in there, as well as like sort of guidelines of the order. Like if you want to become part of the member of this church, you'll have a rosary, you'll have a Bible, you'll have literally a booklet that says, hey, these I'm, you know, I'm constantly in the jurisdiction of God. I'm not in your jurisdiction. Here's my affidavit of status, that sort of thing. And I really think I'm going to focus on that moving forward as opposed to the, the redeck because, um, my Lord, I'm freaking hair here. That's going to be bothering me. Uh, moving forward because I think it'll just be a nice package. So yeah, that means if you travel, you'll have your attestation of faith. You'll have an affidavit of status. You can travel with your Bible. You can uh, bring your rosary, explanation of the rosary, all really compact, something to travel with if you, know, if you ever want to study on the go, if you will. And then, of course, you could also buy a purchase or purchase a copy of Lord Jesus Christ, of course. So, okay, so that's all stuff that's on the horizon. I'm really looking forward to that. And hopefully by, like I said, next month, all of this will be, or at least most of it will be good to go. Okay? So, yeah, yeah, great idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is a good idea, isn't it? So, okay. 
So, uh, last week we discussed what is Gnosticism, and it got a really great response. I'm glad, you know, I thought I was just going to do basically like sort of one hour live stream on Gnosticism, and it ended up being about two, because it was just so much to cover, and I think people really got it. I, I really do. The responses I got, some of the comments I got from people was like, okay, yeah, I'm. Uh, that's how I define myself, a Gnostic, you know? Um, it makes sense, you know, when you explain it correctly and you and you understand the terms and, and you know, all that sort of stuff. So, so today we're going to be doing, so thank you all for joining me last Sunday. I thought it was a good, good uh, sermon. So today we're going to be doing the Sunday service. Today is the Square Encompasses and the Eternal Story of Salvation. And we'll get into the why we're doing the square encompasses and the eternal story of salvation. We're going to look at actually the basically how the square encompasses are recognized in this eternal process, this universal process of rebirth through Christ. And that's what the square encompasses actually refer to. And we'll talk about that today. But first, let's do a prayer. This is called the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to, to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardships as the pathway to peace, taking, as he did, the sinful, the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that he will make all things right if I surrender to his will, that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with him forever in the next. Amen. I thought that was a good way to start off this live stream. So let's get into it and let's talk about the compasses and square. <clears throat> Mike Bravo, love 009, love the Gnostic Church. Now I can explain to people why I'm not a devil worshiper. I know, right? <laughs> Handy little tools here on the journey of life Marty's giving you. All right, let's talk about the compasses and square. We're not really going to be talking about um, Freemasonry at all today. In fact, what um, I like to show is that this symbol is actually universal and what it does is leads you to a rebirth in Christ. That's what that symbol actually means. It tells you about a whole lot of things, but one of the things that we're going to discuss today is it's all going to lead to a rebirth through Christ. Okay. Um, and we're not going to really talk about Freemasonry today. We're not going to discuss the mathematics of this compasses and square. We're not, I talk about, um, some of that in Lord Jesus Christ. I also discuss how the cipher can be created with the compasses and square. Um, but we're not going to discuss any of that today, actually. Uh, we're going to take a whole new look at the compasses and square. A lot of people have asked me over the years, it's like, well, Marty, why do you use the compasses and square in your logos, in your volume one, two, and three here? You have that compasses and square on there. What's what's up with that? Are you a mason? Why do I use the what's considered the Freemasonic compasses and square, and yet I'm not a mason? We're going to explain that today, how, once again, I use it because it leads to Christ. It talks about basically what the compasses and square is, and we're gonna we're gonna make a journey today. We're using the compasses and square as our guide. These are the tools of our craft that we're gonna use to find Christ, to rebirth through Christ. Um, it's gonna lead us right to Mary too, and this is this is gonna be fun. So we're gonna use this symbol as our guide, and we're gonna see that hey, the rebirth through Christ we can find it in symbol. We can find that rebirth through Christ. We can fa actually find it everywhere. Is what we're gonna what we're gonna discover today. That rebirth through Christ. It's written everywhere around us. There's nowhere where you can go where it's not written large, in other words. We can find this rebirth through Christ through symbol. And we'll do that with the, the square encompasses today specifically. We can do it with other symbols too. The chi row. We could do it through the cross. We could do it through a lot of things. But we're going to focus on the square encompasses today. We're going to find the rebirth through Christ through geometry. We're going to do it in looking at our cosmology. We're going to do it in our actual experience of our cosmology. 
and how that story is written to us. We're going to look at, we're going to find rebirth through Christ in the zodiac above in the stars. We're going to do some star study today. And then we're going to find it below within the zodiac man below in us, okay? So the three, the, the, the square encompasses in, in masonry is recognized as the three great lights, okay? So in masonry, there's, like I said, we're not going to discuss masonry too much today, just a little few of tidbits here, okay? In masonry, what you have is the square, the three great the three great lights, and they are known as the Holy Bible. Numero uno is the Holy Bible, of course. Um, and then you have the compasses and square, and these are known as the three great lights. And what this is a reference to, this actually encodes lots and lots of things. But one of the main things it encodes is what we find in Genesis one one, and some of this will be review for people, just so you know. But um, the Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. In the beginning, God, a singular being, created two things. From this singularity, there was a multiplicity or a duplicity, a breaking apart, a duality that happened from the singular one, God, oneness, as we talked about, monotheism. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The, this is known in sacred geometry as the circle and the square. Heaven is given the distinction of a circle. Earth is given the distinction of a square. And of course, how do we create these things? We create the circle with a compass. And we create, oops, sorry. Circle with the compass. And then the square, of course, we create a square. So one of the first things that the Freemasonic Square and Compasses is telling you about is geometry. <clears throat> okay, Genesis 1.1. Immediately is telling you about this symbol. And we'll see how this is direct, directly related to Christ. Okay? He being a carpenter. Why they're using, why this symbol is so important and why I use this symbol is because these are universals. That's what we're talking about today. The circle and square are universal. And this is a favorite quote of mine from um, Stan Tenen. Okay? It says this Mathematics belongs to no nation or race. To discover a theorem, remember we discussed theories and theorems last, last live stream. Said we don't care about your stupid theories. We don't care about critical race theory or the theory of Darwinian evolution. We don't care about um, germ theory. We don't care about your theories. God works in theorems. God works in proofs. And we can discover those proofs. Mathematics belongs to no nation or race. To discover a theorem is to discover what is. That is the possession of no one or everyone. And the capacity to understand it and apply it, therefore, has the potential of basis for the true unity of all peoples, the unity, the one God. Understanding it, the capacity we have to understand it and apply it. So not only can we understand the theorems of God of what is, we can understand that and we can apply them. Okay? Mathematical abstraction, not religious chauvinism, is the basis of the claim for universality. This is what we seek when we try to find the one God. It's universal. He is universal. That means it's not locked up in the pages. Well, it is locked up in the pages of the Holy Bible, but not exclusively. We can find this, these, these truths everywhere around us, and that's what we're going to discover today. As above, so below in our very experience in the cosmology and the zodiac man. This is just a little thing from the, the Freemasonic Encyclopedia quick. It says, the compass is um, there. <clears throat> it says here is, the Bible gives us light on our duties to God and the square illustrates our duties to our neighborhood and brother. So the compasses gives that additional light, which is to instruct us 
in the duty we owe to ourselves, the great imperative duty of circumscribing, circumscribing our passions and keeping our desires within bounds. The circle, the compass, has an extra special sort of, um, uh, there's a special focus on it because it creates the symbol of the circle, the geometry of the circle, and that encapsulates all things, okay? That symbol is, uh, or the circle is a symbol that we can use in, in the sense to circumscribe our passions, to always keep us in due bounds, okay? So we don't go crazy and get, you know, go all over. It's to keep us centered always and to keep our, uh, our morally upright, um, you know, to just, you know, all those things to keep our virtue and our righteousness, to always exude that love, okay? This is one of the things that the, the compass is in square, especially the circle is referring to. This is why you have uh, the circle as, you know, the compass is related to God. Because what it's saying is, hey, there's architecture to this creation. God, as the creator, was a grand architect, a great geometer, a carpenter. And he built this place. And he built it with the universality of number. And that's what this is all about. It doesn't belong to anybody. Or it belongs to everybody. And God has created the circle of the heavens and the square of the earth. And these are the geometric symbols we use to do, to um, distinguish these things. Now the circle, this, to this symbol of light and unity is burned into our consciousness every single day. It's not like God was trying to keep this knowledge hidden. It's available every day. <laughs> okay? The, the sun rises and this, this beam of light, this unity, this one circle... And it's re representing wholeness, totality, unity, universality. And this, once again, burned into our consciousness every single day. And where is that circle? It's up in the circular heavens above. Okay? Now the circle, once again, this comes from the Freemasonic Encyclopedia. It says, The circle being a figure which returns into itself and having therefore neither beginning nor end has been adopted in the symbology of all countries and times as a symbol sometimes of the universe and sometimes of eternity. And we can find the circle everywhere. We can find it in the Zoroastrian mysteries and the Celtic mysteries. We can find it in the Dogon. We can find it in Egyptian. We can find it circle everywhere. Why? Because it's a symbol of universality. This is God speaking to us. This is how God speaks to us. And you, as, as we said, this is not a joke. God speaks to us. And we have the capacity to understand it and apply it so that we can better understand our experience here and what we're doing here, ultimately leading to the rebirth through Christ. Okay? The circle has ever been considered symbolic of the deity. For as a circle appears to have neither beginning nor end, what is Christ? I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. What is Christ saying? The carpenter of Christ is saying what? Geometrically, I'm, I'm symbolically a circle. Without beginning of days or ending of years, it also the circle also reminds us of a future state where we hope to enjoy everlasting happiness and joy. And what is that everlasting happiness and joy? It's salvation. It's that eternal story of salvation. Now, why does the universe, why did God use the language of, of geometry? Why is, why is Christ a carpenter, as, as we're going to find out? Okay. The compasses and square are the tools of the engineer, the designer, the draftsman, the framer, the mason, and most importantly, the carpenter. 
Lord Jesus Christ following in his father's footsteps. His father was a carpenter. As far as we know, his father before that was a carpenter. Of course, the trades were usually passed on in families, so that makes sense. So why is Jesus a carpenter? Because this is one of the symbolic themes within the story to try to tell you about universal geometry. And we're going to find this story, once again, in our experience, but also in the stars, in the constellations. So Lord Jesus Christ, following in his father's footsteps and his father's before that, mastered the craft of carpentry and thusly mastered the tools of his craft, with those being the compasses and the square. In the esoteric or anagogic sense, mastering the tools of the craft is understood as he who works towards building his own temple and constructing brick by brick his inner temple of love, gratitude, forgiveness, and compassion. And this actually comes from uh, the book Lord Jesus Christ. The compasses and square drawing the bounds of earth and the bounds of heaven are symbolic of the eternal and ever-reaching love that God has for his creation. His circular heavens and his love, the spiritual heavens above, are enrapturing, encircling, encapsulating, capturing everything underneath it. God's love is raining down on us everywhere. At the core of every... Um, Excuse me, the compasses and square that draw, draw the bounds of the earth and the bounds of heaven are symbolic of the eternal and ever-reaching love that God has for his creation. As above and so below, in earth as it is in heaven, at the core of every genuine religious teaching is that there is an ever-present, caring, loving, eternal, and immortal creator God all around us, within us, everywhere we can see or conceive. And this creator cares for and takes care of his creatures and his creation and delights when we, his children, walk in truth. This all-encompassing eternality of the oneness of God is captured and symbolized beautifully in the tools of carpentry. The compasses pointing up to the metaphysical circle of the heavens above and the square pointing down to the physical earth below. Okay? And number and geometry, are, uh, you know, this carpenter is mentioned all over the Bible. Um, Old Testament, Isaiah 44, 13. The carpenter stretcheth out his rule. He mark it out with the line. He fitteth it with planes, and he marketh it out with compass, and maketh it after the figure of a man, of you, according to the beauty of a man, that it, that it may remain in the house. In other words, just basically saying, hey, this carpenter's this grand architect upstairs used the compasses in the square and measured and marked out everything, and then he made you in its image. Is not this the carpenter's son? Matthew 13, 55. Hey, isn't Jesus, isn't this the carpenter's son? Mark 6, 3 says, Is this not the this the carpenter? Hey, this guy's a carpenter. Why is he a carpenter? As we inform, Jesus and his family come from a tradition of building and construction, and Jesus' occupation is of utmost importance in understanding the deeper numeric and geometric messages being crafted within Scripture. As we have confirmed, as we know here on this channel, it's unquestionable that the language of math is one of a universal character. It's one available to all peoples, regardless of any difference of race, ethnicity, creed, language, or otherwise. Okay? These ancients who had mastered the universal art of carpentry or masonry were not just simple framers, builders, and construction workers erecting the boorish, soulless architecture that we see today, but were instead those who had become adept in the language of God and encrypted deep universal truths about the relationship of man and God within their construction of cathedrals and churches. These artisans mastered not just the building of external temples, 
but the building of their inner temples as well. Building oneself, up, one, building oneself up from the crude, ignorant state into a fully realized being is reflected in the process of God, building the universe up, the grand architect, from that formless and void state and darkness. From his dark and formless void emerged the perfection of God's light, and this is the same process of rebirth we must all undergo, from darkness to light, from ego to spirit, lost sheep to the shepherd of Christ, we must build carpentry, we must build ourselves up. Okay? So, when we look out at the horizon, what do we see? What we actually see is the compass isn't square. We actually see what the compass isn't square is encapsulating and why I use this symbol. The compass isn't square is telling you about your cosmology. It's telling you about the merging, the unification, the marriage of heaven and earth, spirit and matter. Okay? When we look to the horizon, what do we see? We find the heavens above reaching down to greet Mother Earth as she reaches back up to greet the canopy of the Heavenly Father above. The merging of heaven above and earth below is right at our eyeline. We bring together heaven and earth through our very sight. These two unite in perfect harmony and balance, complementing each other in an undying bond, one keeping this whole beautiful creation stable and rigid like the solid earth below our feet and yet flowing and fearless like spirit itself. The circle of heaven merges with the square of earth and this magical event is surrounding us all the time. It's our, our experience is the merging of the circle and square. Our experience is the merging of heaven and earth. Our experience is the bringing together of the, the tools of the draftman and the carpenter, the compasses and square. Every day our very eyes bring together the heaven and the earth. 1 John 4.16 says... And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. And as God is the foundation of all being and God is love, we recognize that his love is above us and below us, within us and all around us. And when we dwelleth in this love, we dwelleth in the divine. Man is the reflection of the great marriage of spirit and matter, heaven and earth, and of God and man. By loving each other, honoring each other, committing to one another, our delight is shown in the eye of God. We bring together heaven and earth. Our experience brings together the spirit and the matter, the compasses and the square. And that's the, that's the poetry behind this. A lot of people think that, you know, because it's our Father in heaven, our Father in heaven. Well, it doesn't say anything about Mother Earth in, in the Holy Bible. And so, therefore, that's a pagan something, something, something. Well, you're... The only, the only reason you would come to that conclusion is because you don't understand that the Bible's poetry. It's, it's, you're always in the bosom of the material Mother Earth. And the Father Sky is above us, sh sh shrouding us, encapsulating us all the time. So as we're cared for in the bosom of Mother Earth and the material, Mother comes from the word mater, matter, material. As we're, as we're um, you know, cared for, nurtured, down here, we're shrouded by the Father above. This is a great marriage, a sexual union. And what happens from a sexual union most often than not? A birth. And this is what this symbol means. Um, this is the classic symbol. Most people see this as the compasses and square because it's the tools of carpentry. But this symbol is also known as the blade and the chalice, the blade being the phallus and the chalice being the, the vagina. Okay? And so when we look out in our experience, our entire cosmology, 
We're bringing together the spirit and the matter, the heaven and the earth, the as above and the so below. We bring it together, okay? So, and these have these, the spirit and matter, of course, heaven and earth have distinct characteristics, okay? The heavens above are the manifestation of the metaphysical, the immaterial and the spiritual, as the heavens may be defined exactly as such. Meta meaning beyond the physical, the physical realm, it's beyond the physical. No man, regardless of the absurdities proposed by modern-day so-called space agencies, has ever traveled to or stepped foot on the moon, or Mars or otherwise. No, there's not a car roving, you know, running around, roving around on Mars. No, there's Elon Musk did not send a car up there. No, there's not a, a, an international space station, no matter how much they lie. No man can go into the metaphysical in a physical body. And this is really what you have. I'll, I'll talk about that in a second. A gradation. The gradation goes up. It gets more and more spiritual. The densely spiritual, if you will. And as we go down, it gets densely material. Okay? And it's the gradation. No being has ever left the firmament or transcended the physical body. Excuse me. No being has ever left the firmament or transcended the physical plane in a physical body. Doesn't happen. Okay? Bible talks about that. No man, no flesh can enter the kingdom of heaven. The heavens above, the, the luminaries, the sun and the moon, the lights in the sky are all beyond the reach of man. And therefore, they're metaphysical, meaning they exist beyond the physicality and materiality of the earthly dimension. You're looking up at spirit, pure, unadulterated, 100% spirit. That's what you're looking up at. The spiritual dimension above shrouds our material dimension here on earth. No man may reach his hand up to God's heaven and change the course of Sirius, nor move the star Polaris from its central throne, nor stop the sun from rising on the horizon, nor change the phases and path of the moon. These patterns and cycles have been decreed by God and God alone, and no man may corrupt or distort their perfection or brilliance. That's exactly what you have up going on. This is this is what you experience. Once again, just look out at the eye, go uh, look at the horizon. Go out to the beach or whatever, look at the ocean, go stand on a hill, look out and look out at the horizon. What are you looking at? You're, you're looking at the compasses and square. Circular heavens, earth below. There's square earth below. Metaphysical, physical. Incorporeal is upstairs. Corporeal downstairs. The celestial is upstairs. The terrestrial is downstairs. The immaterial is upstairs. The material is downstairs. The matter. All right. Spirit upstairs, matter downstairs. Combined into what? Oneness. One experience. They're not actually separate things. It's one. It's all one. It all comes from what? One spirit, as we're going to find. Nothing is born from the material. It's all born from spirit. Heaven above, earth below. Compasses above, square below. And this is the unknown and the known. Everything down here we can come to know. We can go hike over this hill over here. And I can, I can know what it's like to be on top of that. No one's going to know what it looks like on Sirius. No one knows what it, what it looks like on the surface of the sun. Unknown and known, okay? Once again, your eyes bring all of this together. You bring this together. It's like that old Zen saying, it's like, who is it that makes the grass green? It's, it's, a, it's a trick. It's, a, it's a, um, you know, a riddle or whatever to basically say, you are the one that makes the grass green. Incorruptible, corruptible. Down here is the corruptible. We want to be born from the incorruptible, as, as the Bible says, okay? And change uh, Romans one twenty three. Uh, let's go to here. 1 Corinthians 9.25. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Still working on that one. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown. But we an incorruptible. 
we don't seek corrupt the corruptible crown, the material crown, though the all the the riches and glory and and gold and silver and shekels and all the you know adulation and all that stuff. We don't seek it here in the corruptible material earth. We seek it in the incorruptible. We seek it in the compass. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. 1 Corinthians 15, 53. What is it saying? The corruptible, the material body, must put on the spirit body. The mortal being right here must put on the immortality. Heaven, heaven, earth. Compasses square. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written. Death is swallowed up in victory. There is no more death, 1 Corinthians 15.54 says. When, you, when the corruptible puts on the incorruption, when the mortal puts on the immortality, death itself is swallowed up. There is no more death. It's eternal life, the eternal salvation. And the compass system square is telling that story. For as much as you know that you're not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, you're not redeemed by having a bunch of wealth down here. You're not redeemed by having your four-car garage and your and your BMW and uh, $150 million in the bank. And that's not how you're redeemed. You're not because re that's all corruptible stuff. We seek the incorruption. And by the way, this is, this is why I, one of the reasons I did this in order here too. Notice it says here, for as much as you know that you're not redeemed with corruptible things, you know, silver and gold, from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers. What do we talk about in Gnosticism? We don't listen to the, we don't listen. It's not like we ignore it, but we don't follow the church fathers and the traditions of religious authorities here and there. Why? Because it's corruptible. We don't seek the corruption. We seek the incorruptible. 1 Peter 1.18 there is saying, you should employ Gnosticism. 1 Peter 1.23, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Once again, born from the incorruptible. Genesis talks about this duality that's created from the oneness. What's the oneness? God Almighty, monotheism. There's only one God. Which God is it? Is the Muslims, or the, is the Hebrews, or the Christians, or is it the God of the Taoists over here? Is it the God of these, you know, the, the Lakota, or the Blackfeet, or the Paiute? Which one is it? All and none. God doesn't belong to anybody. <laughs> Just like math doesn't belong to anybody. No one has possession of it. If you possess God, you're possessed. If you think you possess God, it shows how crazy you are. No one has it. God has it. So we have this duality of the spirit and matter, heaven and earth, coming from what? One thing, pure spirit. It all comes from God. Doesn't come from the flesh. And God saw the light. It was good. God, God, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, two things. And then God divided the light from the darkness. And then the day and the night. And then the evening and the morning. And then uh, he divided the waters above and the waters below. Uh, from, you know, above the firmament, below the firmament. And uh, so they're, you know. So it's Genesis, and we'll do, we'll do this again when we do the Genesis lectures just here. Here, here's your cosmology. Here's what you experience. Here's what you go out into the world, look at, look at the horizon. This is what you'll find. Evening and morning, day and night, light and darkness, spirit and matter, corruption and incorruption. Together as one. All flesh is not the same. I don't know where this is from. This is New Testament, but uh, let's say this. There are celestial bodies 
and terrestrial. Literally the exact same thing. There is a compasses and a square. But the glory of celestial is one and the glory of a terrestrial is another. That's different, right? In other words, that's up there, this down here. There's one glory of the sun and one of the moon. Sun and moon, another glory of the stars. One, one star different from another. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. So you sow the seed here in the material body, in, in the square earth. But it's raised in what? Spirit. Sown in dishonor, raised in glory. Glory, honor, or dishonor, glory, excuse me. Weakness, power, natural body, spiritual body. You see what's happening here, okay? By the way, for all you flat earthers, this is, <laughs> this is your cosmology. This is your cosmology, okay? Not only is it what you experience, does the earth move? No, it seems pretty stationary. I've never felt the earth move. Hey, it looks like there possibly a dome overhead. Either way, there's a circular heavens. All those stars are circling around. That moon and that sun circling around. That's what it's doing. And all of these things are telling you, all of these cosmologies are telling you of the compasses and square. The circular compass of the heavens and the square flat plane of earth. Just think about, you know, it's like, well, that's a circular earth. And what are you talking about there? Just think about, once again, symbolism, flat, two-dimensional square, right? Not only that, think about how, you know, the four corners of the earth, the four directions, the four seasons, if you will, right? Um, not only that, but then also think about just like in your city streets, your city block. What do you do? You don't break it up in circles. You break it up in blocks, squares, acres. It's all, all land is almost, you know, not exclusively or whatever, but more often than not, broken up in squares. All of these cosmologies, all of these cosmo cosmogenies, the story of creation, you're, you know, basically where you are and all of these different cultures are all referencing the compasses and square. The Bible, this is actually from a, and it's like a good news translation of the Bible or something like that, pretty bad version, but there's your flat square earth and there's your circular compass of the heavens. Okay, so there's that. Uh, both interesting. What In order for this rebirth, you have to bring the two into one. You have to realize that it all comes from one thing. All of those divisions, day and night, evening and morning, corruption and incorruption, all blah, 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 spirit and matter, it all comes from what? God. Oneness. That's It all comes from that. And that's what you have to return to. Your rebirth process is to merge these two and get back into that one source. Okay. Both masonry and carpentry are skills and professions that creatively merge both the very structural, methodical, mechanical, and engineering aspects of math and uniting them harmoniously with the artistic and visually appear appealing creative side. In other words, what does the carpenter do? It brings together the spirit and the matter. It brings together the, the, um, the compasses and the square. It brings together the structural, the methodical, the mechanical, and merges it beautifully in harmony with what? The artistry. Because if a carpenter's like, oh, I'm a carpenter, I just built a box. Who cares? That box isn't interesting to look at, even if it lasts for, you know, whatever. What, what makes carpentry, what makes building so amazing is that we bring artistry to it. So it's this merging of what? It's the merging of the opposites. Okay, the art of building a church, a temple, a cathedral, a house, when it is done with great skill and elevated craftsmanship, brings to light these polar, yet congenial facts within the study of geometry. 
Any building that is built with integrity, care, attention to detail, and a focus on quality and beauty is indeed the product of this harmonious union. Okay? And this is exactly what we need to do. The earth and the earth and heaven, the compasses and square, the square and compasses, the circle and square, they're both 360, right? So they're sort of equal. But of course they're not because the areas aren't equal. The, the perimeter and the you know, circumference aren't equal, but there is an equality there. Different yet equal, just like man and woman, just like sun and moon, just like as above and so below. So the carpenter, one of the things that Jesus was doing all those 18 years missing in the Bible, what was he doing? Well, if we understand the riddle correctly, what he was doing was out learning his trade, his craft, which was what? Carpentry. And what does carpentry do? It brings together both the, the artistry and the mechanical, the logical and the creative, the analytical and the imaginative, the sequencing and the holistic, the linear and the intuitive, right? The mathematical and the numerological, if, you'd, if you wish, you know? Uh, linguistic, artistic, factual, rhythmic, computational, nonverbal. It's uniting these different aspects of thought into one and bringing it all back to God. And this is, of course, what As Above, So Below is all about, okay? In order, what you're doing when you merge these things is you're saying, is you're, you're intuiting and you're bringing into your own understanding. It's like, oh, those stars up there, they're not separate from me at all. There's nothing, they might be separate in this, once again, the illusion of the dream of life and it's separate from, okay, maybe distance, I can't go up there and actually touch that. But are, is, are they separate? No, they come from one thing. They come from God. So ultimately, it's a oneness. And this is the bringing together of these opposites. This is the square encompasses. Square encompasses united as one symbol. Okay? You're made of the stars. Everything that's up there is within here. And this is, once again, within the Bible. We covered it last. We've covered it before. You know, even the Lord's Prayer says, In earth as it is in heaven. What? That's as above, so below. This is why, in mysticism... This is what they're saying. A lot of people that are do not have the trained eye or not have been initiated, haven't been initiated into esoteric information and things like that, especially your literalist, fundamentalist Christian, they'll look at this and be like, this is devil worship. I mean, what a kind of thing is this? There's blah, 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 you know, and it couldn't be further from the truth. It's basically saying God made you and you're made of the stars above. You're, they're all one. Endless amounts of illustrations with this, okay? Um, you're born of the one spirit, okay? This is you saw, this is soul, body, and spirit, okay? This is um, soul and body are two words that are looked upon as one and the same, but philosophically speaking, there's a difference. The soul is indestructible. What would the, the body be? Destructible. Corruption and corruption, Okay? So, and this, there's three aspects of this. It's body, soul, but they merge into what? They merge into the one spirit. And this is, this is a classic theme used in initiatory societies. Um, you know, basically this is the three steps of masonry. Anytime you have like three levels and stuff like that, it's rep representing these three things. Soul, body merged into what? The one spirit. You are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. You are the one spirit you have an individuated soul in which you are, which which put into a body, so you can have the experience of bringing all of that back to what the one spirit. One Corinthians six seventeen, but he that is joined unto the Lord, 
is one spirit. Once you join, once you reach salvation, the rebirth, and you're joined, you're unified with God. It's just one thing. That's it. It's one spiritual thing. That's it. Okay? Endeavoring to, this is one of my favorites. This is Corinthians, 1 Corinthians something, I think. Maybe 2 Corinthians. I'm not sure. One of my favorite ones. Listen to this. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit, one spirit, in the bond of peace, there's one body and one spirit. Even as you're called, you're called. And there's one hope of your calling. There's one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. One God, Father of all, who is above all, and through all, and in you all. And this is exactly what we mean when we talk about you bring together the heaven and earth. You bring together the heaven and earth. God is above all, through all, and in you all. It's everywhere around you. There's nowhere where you can go where it isn't. Okay? So, and that's what we do. Oh, now this is, uh, I just want to cover a bunch of these to show that um, this is the mandala. Mandala is the exact same thing. Mandala is is the compasses and square. That's what it is. If you're like, this is a Hindu, Taoist, uh, Buddhist thing. What are you talking about here, right? No. Um, so, uh, mandala here. Oh, thank you all for joining. Oh, nice. 126 watching. Hey, that's doubling the cube. Mandala, same sort of thing. So the same message, you're going to go into a completely different religion and spiritual doctrines and all this sort of thing. It'd be like, this is totally different than my Christian stuff over here. Eh, wrong, completely wrong. This is the compasses and square. This is the mandala. What do you see there? What is the theme that you will find in almost, almost exclusively in, in, in most mandalas? Almost every mandala. The circle and the square. That's what you'll find. And it's basically this tool of meditation that you focus on this thing. And once again, you get into sort of the state of being like, oh, meditation on the one spirit, of course. It's all bringing you to the central figure. There's, you know, either Buddha or whatever in the center, depending on what mandala, of course. But uh, circle and square. Okay. Heaven and earth. Corruptible, incorruptible. Immaterial, material. Celestial, terrestrial. Macrocosm, microcosm. Now watch this. The term mandala literally means circle. This is what we we're talking about. What are we talking about? Uh, where am I? Where am I? The circle being a figure which returns into itself, neither beginning nor end. You mean like Christ? As Christ is once again symbolic of the sun, you mean that sun that rises every single day? Okay. Um... The term mandala literally means circle, and when broken up by its etymology and syllables, unveils the word dala, mandala, mandala. Dala, which means to split. You mean like heaven and earth? You mean like as above and so below? You mean like spirit and matter? You mean like compasses and square? Which means to split, and man thusly means a mandala means man split. That's exactly what you are. You're split. You're the one spirit that's split between what? Body and soul. You're the one spirit that's split between what? As above and so below, spirit and matter. Your eye line brings together this duality. This split is recognized in the heaven and the earth, spirit and the matter, as above, so below, circle and square, as well as in the division of man and his symmetrical makeup. So just look at you. You're split. It's a man split. You're a mandala. 
Um, eyes, nostrils, ears, shoulders, arms, hands, legs, and feet are all mirrors of one another. Uniting these polarities and opposites is central to the entire psycho-spiritual process and universal religious process at the core of every single one of these ancient wisdom traditions. When you get past the carnal, when you look past the exoteric, when you get to the mean potatoes of what all of these traditions are saying, it's the same story. Just because there is only one story. There's only one spirit, one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. That's it. There's only one. And this is why we as Gnostics embrace all the great traditions. This is why I said in the last live stream, we've got no problem with the mandala. Why? We've got no problem with the Freemasonic square encompasses. Why? We've got no problem with, you know, um, we'll, look at, we'll look at Chinese here in just a second. We've got no problem with any of that. Why? Because it's all telling the same thing. It's all leading to the great circle, the great oneness of God. And as Christians, we understand that in our language, in our terminology, in our holy book is Christ. Where do you find this? Vitruvian man. Same thing. Leonardo da Vinci. Once again, some of this will be review. Uh, Rebus. Uh, this thing knocked me on my ass for years. Just looking at this, studying this symbol. What does this mean? Why is there a dragon? What's the circle and the have wings? And why is it, you know, why is he holding the compasses and square there? And why is there two heads and one body? And all these things with seven, what's going on? Seven wandering planets, stars, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Nuan Fu Chi, the Chinese cosmology. Compasses and square, telling you the exact same thing. Merging those opposites into one. This On the left, there's the Buddha stupa. That's the Buddhist. What is that telling you about? Genesis 1-1. That's Genesis 1-1 in architecture. A carpenter came along and was like, I'm going to make, in a Buddhist style, Genesis 1-1. That's exactly what that is. That's exactly what that is. There's a square base, and there's a compass in the heavens above. This, this Buddhist thing here, once again, for all you flat earthers, uh, that's, that's this. This. And let's see, this and this, whoop, sorry, this and this and that and this are all the same. There's no difference. You know why? Because we're talking about universality. We're talking about geometry and math and your actual cosmology. Okay, so this all leads to a rebirth. Well, how do we understand that rebirth? Well, we're going to use the compasses and square, and we're going to use geometry to express this rebirth. Now, this rebirth happens, What? where does it happen? It happens in the incorruption, not in the corruption, right? It doesn't happen. We go through that process here on the material earth. We go through that process here on the material earth, but where ultimately it brings us up to the one spirit, the, the compasses, the circle, the heavens. It brings us up there, right? So... Interesting thing is that one of the first things you create with the compass in sacred geometry is the, what's known as the Vesca Pisces. Vesca Pisces is just two circles overlapping on each other's centers there. That's essentially all it is. So you can make the Vesca Pisces with a compass. Just zoop, zoop. You don't even need the square. That's it. Just that circular heavens. And what this creates is this central, this two circles, in the center there is what's considered a womb. It's a cosmic womb. It's a geometric womb. It's literally a geometric vagina, okay? And we're going to show this today, okay? Um, and so one of the first things you do in sacred geometry is you draw your Vesca Pisces, and we'll see Christ in this in just a second. And that center there is called the mandorla or the almond, and it's almond shape, 
and that's the central womb. It's literally, once again, a geometric vagina. And this one of the next things you do in sacred geometry is you draw a triangle going up and a triangle going down. You draw a chalice and a blade. You draw compasses and a square. You draw a macrocosm and a microcosm. You draw an as above and so below. You draw a corruptible and a corruptible. You draw the immaterial and the material. That's what that's symbolizing. That's Freemasonic square and compasses. That's the compasses and square. Okay? Now, this vagina is actually, this geometric vagina, we're gonna have, this is an adult show here, everybody, just so we know, so we all have to be adults here. This is actually shown, like, all over the, all over the world in, uh, like, different illustrations. I've got just a few here, where it's literally this womanly figure, whatever, and she's reaching between her legs, and she's opening up her vagina to give birth, and it's in the shape of what? The center of the Vesca Pisces. That's what it is. There it is. The center, there's an, um, here's one of Christ. This is the waters flow, like as in the water, like about to give birth, a woman about to give birth, what's the first thing that happens? Waters break. So you have waters flowing out of the central vagina, geometric vagina. There's another one, different, you know, same sort of motif. Once again, it's uh, she, this being is opening up to give birth to creation. Okay, this is what you'll see, and this is a once again, this is a adult show or whatever. Um, and a lot of Christians are gonna have problems with this, but we'll see at the end that you shouldn't at all. None. Okay, this is not some perverse sexual thing. Like, is this sex magic? And we're all you know focused on the JJ here. Why? No, we're adults. And we have to recognize that we're going through a process of birth, rebirth. And what we're going to see is that our process of rebirth reflects, our process of spiritual rebirth reflects the process of physical birth. So in other words, your spiritual rebirth is reflected in the material birth. Of course it should be. That's how our entire cosmos is created. This symbol, this is where we get the ictus fish, the Jesus fish. Once again, I know this will be a review for some people, but, okay? So there's your central womb, vagina, okay? Made from the compasses. You don't even need the square. Think about this. Compasses. Circle of the heavens. Where do you have? That's Jesus emerging from this womb. This is Jesus emerging from the womb. You see this womb here? Another drawing of it, or, of course, the... Um, you know, crafted in block there, stone. Jesus emerging from the geometric vagina of creation. Everywhere you'll find this. You, Vesca Pisces, middle of Vesca Pisces, center of the Vesca Pisces, center of the Vesca Pisces. A carpenter is in the middle of a geometric form. Think about it. A carpenter is in the middle of a geometric form. How in the world are you going to understand any of this stuff unless you employ and use and utilize and understand the tools of carpentry? Being what? The compasses and the square. So Christ, just as Christ died and was reborn, what do we have here? This is the birth, rebirth of Christ. Okay? Once again, tons of, you know, you go everywhere. This is just a collection of them that I've, you know, over the years, okay. So, and then you'll see this actually. This this theme will be used in the you know themes of these unbel. Of course, 
you know, we see these buildings all over the world now, right? The people are the, the Gothic cathedrals or Tartarian or whatever you want to call them. Some lost civilization, whatever, that was making this stuff, probably giants, that are unbelievable works of architecture. They're, they're scattered and peppered all over the world. And you will see what? A consistent theme. You go into the archway. You go into the entry. You're entering into a spiritual place. And what is it? It's the theme of the, the Vesca Pisces. Okay? Now, there's a bunch of math to the Vesca Pisces. Like I said, we're not doing any math today um, that we could cover. There's tons. This is just a, a few, a collection of things. You can square the circle with the Vesca Pisces. You can get the square root of two, the square root of three, the square root of five. You can get the, the constant of the golden ratio or five from it. Um, there's tons of stuff you can get from this, okay? But we're not going to go into that today. So what we're going to do is we're going to find this story of rebirth because that's really what this is. Let me go back to here. Your story, the spiritual rebirth, is reflected in your physical birth. And that's what we're going to see today, okay? And the story is everywhere. So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to find the compasses and square upstairs in the canopy of the stars. Okay? Compasses and square. Now, we already covered this before. We saw Norma, and this is all constellations, and I'll group these together at the end so you can see this, but let's go over it one by one. Norma is a small constellation in the southern celestial hemisphere. Its name is Latin for normal, referring to a right angle. And is variously considered to represent a rule, a carpenter's square, a set square or level. Okay? So here we have the square, the carpenter's square. Right next to that carpenter's square, you can see Norma on the left there. There's the, there is the circinus. Of course, circin is circle, circumscribe, circumambulate to circle. Circinus is a small faint constellation in the southern sky. Its uh, name is Latin for compass referring to the drafting tool used for drawing circles. So we have a compasses and square up there. Right next to that compasses and square, right in the same vicinity, you also have what we've already talked about before, the Southern Cross, the Crux. Crux is a constellation of the southern sky that is centered on four bright stars and a cross-shaped asterism known as the Southern Cross. So we have a compasses, we have a square, the tools of carpentry, and then, which is all leading to what? Christ, the carpenter. And where did Christ die? He died on a cross. Okay, so here we have Christ, the carpenter. We've got the compasses and square, as above, so below, material, immaterial, etc., etc. And then we have Christ dying on the cross. Right next to that cross is the constellation Ara. And Ara is Latin for the altar. Okay? So, alter, and we're going to see uh, what this means. And this is exactly what you're here to do. You're here to alter yourself. You're here to transform yourself. You're here to change yourself from the corruption, altering, altering yourself into the incorruption. This is, this is a story written all around you. It's written within you. It's written in your experience. It's our cosmology, and it's written in the stars as well. We're going to see it not only in these group of stars, but in the zodiac as well. Alter, to change or cause to change in character or composition. This is your purpose of amendment is what it is. Okay, so we have that altar. So we have a compasses and a square. We got the square. We got the compasses. We've got a southern cross right by this. And we'll, I'll group these in just a second so you'll see it all in one page here. And then we've got right next to that the altar. Okay, notice altar, A-L-T-A-R and A-L-T-E-R. Okay, so this is your cross, your compasses, your altar, and your square. 
Okay? So, that's all in the heavens. There's a compass isn't square in the heavens. Okay? I don't, unless the Freemasons own that particular part of the heavens, I think it's probably pretty universal. Okay? We've discussed a lot about how the Argo Navis, this is the southern celestial hemisphere, right? There's also the triangle there. I'm not going to discuss that today, but triangulum Australia, Australia, that's how you say that, Australia, um, southern triangle, in other words. There's your Argo Navis, which we've discussed before. Jesus is a fisher of men, and he's in the river of the Milky Way, and there it is. It's also Noah's Ark, it's the solar bar. There's a lot of things we can talk about today. But um, there it is, and right next to it is the Southern Cross. And right next to that is what? The circle, the square, or the compasses and square, and the altar. There's a story in the heavens. And that is you, just as Christ did, must die on the human cross. You, you die and be reborn on the, the cross of the human being. You're going to do that by merging the compasses and square, the merging of the heaven and earth, the circle and the square. And in doing that, you are going to alter yourself. And you are going to bring yourself up to the joy of the Lord, eternal salvation, rebirth through Christ. Okay? Now that circle, the and so we'll, we'll return to this in just a second, okay? So everybody get that? Compasses, square, altar, right in the same area. Right by that is the Southern Cross, where Christ died. Now, this, um, the story of Jesus, one of the aspects as we've covered, and I cover a whole chapter uh, in Lord Jesus Christ about how he is related. Jesus is in relation, um, in one symbolic sense, he is the Son. In one of the symbolic senses. Well, why? Well, the sun's a circle. Has no beginning or end. What's Christ? Has no beginning or end. What's the sun symbolically? It's light. What is Christ? He's light. Okay? The story of Jesus' death and resurrection is a universal story. It's the eternal story. Eternal story of rebirth. The story of Jesus' death and resurrection is a universal story. About the path of the sun throughout the year. This cycle is ever repeating and thusly is one of the prime markers of a divine intelligence behind our world. The story of the sun in many ways reflects the story of our rites of passage or a hero's journey. And that's what you're here to do. You're undergoing that hero's journey. You're under a rites of passage. You hear is the corruptible seeking the incorruption. Hero's journey consists of basically three stages. Separation, the old self, the beginning. That's where you're the fool. You're cast out into the world and you don't know shit from Shinola. And you're going around being like, what does all this mean? What am I doing here? I'm a complete idiot. God gave me no answers. I'm stumbling around. You know, that sort of thing. That's the beginning. And everybody has that beginning. I was a fool. You were a fool. Everybody that plants their two feet on the cold, hard ground at one point is a damned fool. And that's your beginning. And then you go into liminality. And that's a transitionary stage. It's a spiritual opening. It's in between self. That's where you're going from this one stage to the next and then there's the incorporation. Integration, transformation to the new self. So the, the story of the sun does this every year. Okay, It does it every day, every year. We may poetically say that the sun separates from its old self, okay, from the death of winter to the birth of a beginning after the solstice. Okay, The sun go and we'll read this here. It then makes its long journey around the circle of the year. It's all in a circle. Transitioning in between the spring of a new life, peaking in summer, to the coming autumnal fall of death, only to then incorporate and integrate the entire cycle into a transformation to a new year and a new sun born. 
That's what this sun is doing all the time. It's, yeah, it's taking its old self and then it's going and it's in a transitionary period and then it goes to a rebirth and then it's the rebirth of the sun. And it's always doing that. It's going from, if you will, poetically, poetically, it's going from corruption to incorruption. It's constantly doing this cycle. Okay? Just as the initiate is to make a journey from darkness to light, so the sun does the same thing throughout the year. And the sun does it daily too. Rises in the east, comes up. Oh, it's the birth. Oh, here it is. And then it goes up and it's in the transitionary period. And then it comes back. Rising, birth, death, rise again. Birth, death, rise again. The sun's doing every day and every year. Same cycle. It's a story that's God's telling you to be reborn. Both the yearly and daily or diurnal. A story of the sun is one and the same, and ultimately a story of catabasis. It's a descent of some type, a trip into the underworld. That's exactly what the sun does into the winter. The sun moves into the underworld of winter, rising anew every spring, and then retreats to the underworld every night, only to rise anew every morning. Though the cycles are different, the story remains one and the same. God is telling you the story of rebirth all the time, every day, every year, when you bring together the eyeline of your entire experience that is our cosmology, it's telling you about what? Unite those two into oneness and be reborn. And the story of the sun, we all know this. This comes from um, Peter Joseph's um, zeitgeist, right? And once again, lots of Christians have a problem with this. Why? God dictated those, those patterns. That's God's... This is God's architecture. Okay? There's another very interesting phenomenon that happens or occurs around December 25th or the winter solstice. From the summer solstice to the winter solstice, the days become shorter and colder. From the perspective of the northern hemisphere, the sun appears to move south and gets smaller and more scarce. The shortening of the days and the expiration of the crops. Okay, um, And it symbolized death, of course. And that's exactly what's happening. All your crops are dying. All the trees are dying. Leaves are falling. Okay. By December 22nd, the sun's demise was fully realized for the sun having moved south continually for six months makes its lowest point in the sky. Here, a curious thing occurs. At least perceivably, the sun stops moving for three days. Hence, dead. We generally know this story, okay? Um, during this three-day pause, which, by the way, the story is not just something that was figured out by like Peter Joseph or Acharya S or something like that. If you want to find uh, retellings of this story, and, and, and uh, scholars discussing it at length and all the symbolism behind it and all the sun gods and stuff like that. Well, you can pick up Lord Jesus Christ, my book. I discuss it in there. Read Masonry. They're going to tell you about it all day long. Masons have discussed this for years and years and years and years. Okay? And this is why, this is yet another reason why I embrace this symbol. Why our order, our church embraces that symbol. During this three-day pause of the sun, when it's dying and about to be reborn, just as Christ is born on December 25th, during this three-day pause, the sun resides in the vicinity of the Southern Cross. So here, where the sun is dying, being reborn in our year, is not only that, but the place where we celebrate Jesus' birth. The birth of Jesus from Mary. We'll talk about that. And all of this is happening in the region of the Southern Cross. Exactly where what? Where our compass is and our square and our altar was. And we'll see that in just a second. So there you have. So this is um, this would be sidereal astrology. This is exactly what you see in the sky. Okay? There's a difference between tropical and sidereal. 
at some point we'll have to go into that and the, some of the issues with that and the questions around all of that sort of stuff. But this is exactly what you see in the sky, okay? There's your southern celestial hemisphere, okay? That blue line there, um, that teal line there, that is your ecliptic. That's the path of the sun and the, the, the planets, of course, the wandering stars, if you will, okay? Right there in the circle there is your carpenter's tools. There's your altar. You're going to alter yourself on the altar. Ara, right there. You've got Norma, which is your compasses. Excuse me, your square. That's your carpenter's square, Norma. And then you have your circinus, which is your circle, your compasses. Compasses, square, and your altar. All right by what? Right there. The Southern Cross, where the celestially, where Jesus is dying, or where, where the sun is dying, if you will, excuse me, the sun is dying and being reborn. It's no longer going down and down and down and down and down and down. It keeps going down. Nope. Now it's going to come back up. In the same area where this is happening, this is happening in the sky. A compasses, a square, an altar, and the southern cross. And you can see the red line there over I have, uh, December. You can see 20th, basically 20th through 21st, because that's essentially 21st to the 20, 21st, 22nd to the 25th, if you will, is those three days. The sun dies, of course. The 21st would be the solstice, that sort of thing. Okay. Now, does everybody get that? That's the two lines there. That's what is happening. This, this is this period. Okay. Now, it exists. This is all happening. Not only is it happening in the same area where the Southern Cross is, where G Jesus dying on the cross, there's your symbol. Not only that, it's happening where the altar is. And what you're supposed to do is alter yourself. And you're going to alter yourself by bringing together the heaven and the earth, the spirit and the matter, the corruption and the incorruption. You have to put on incorruption on the... In the you have to put incorruption onto the corruption. You have to do it with Norma and Circanus. You have to bring the compasses and square together to alter yourself on the cross. Now, this is all happening between two constellations. And those constellations are, uh, well, I'll show this here a second. It's, uh, the constellations, there's the ecliptic right there, is Sagittarius and Scorpio. Okay? This is going to be fun. So there's what it actually looks like in the sky. This is, as you can see, Thursday, December 22nd. 2022, about 9.30 in the morning, couple, you know, a couple hours after um, sunrise there. And you can see, where's the sun? It's between Sagittarius and Scorpio. Okay. Well, all we have to do is go to our Zodiac Man, and we can see that, once again, what's happening up there is happening within us. Happening upstairs and is happening downstairs within us. So, we have to be born again. And once again... Our spiritual rebirth is based on our physical birth. They're a reflection of one another. There's a bunch of math to this too that we're not going to cover today. So where are you born? Well, you're born between your mother's legs, which is the constellation Sagittarius. And of course, the constellation Scorpio is what? It's your phallus. It's your member. So the Sagittarius, if we look at this, the Sagittarius, what's between a woman's legs is the vagina. And what is right there by the Scorpio, the front there, well, that's the penis. So you, in the sky here, as you can see, Scorpio and Sagittarius, 
whether that's the merging of the penis and vagina, the, the chalice and the blade to actually create human beings, that's what you have to do, the unity of opposites, bringing those together. Or we can just look at it as, hey, that is the general area where human beings are born, between the legs, in the, you know, your, your private members there, if you will. So the birth, the death of the son and the birth of the son on Christmas and the birth of Christ is all happening right by constellations that not only are telling you about the circle and the square, the compasses in the square, and how you're to alter yourself and be reborn on the cross, but it's also giving you the actual physical place in where you're born. Does everybody get that? There's the sun dying on December 21st and that solstice, dead for three days. In the symbolism, of course, born again. Universal story. And so this is the born again. Uh, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of again. You must be born again. Does, is born again, does that mean you go down to the church and be like, well, I accept Christ and that means I'm born again. Is that it? That's all you have to do. Nope. Nope. You have to merge the compasses and square. You have to use the tools of carpentry to understand God's architecture. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again, John 3, 7 says. Being born again, 1 Peter 1, says, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. There is that once again. So, there's your spiritual spiritual rebirth is reflected. So all the stuff that's coming that's happening down here, it's reflected upstairs. Okay. Now, I just want to mention this. Now that we understand, hey, Sagittarius, that's your thighs. Scorpio, that's the phallus, if you will. That's the merging of uh, man and woman to create new beings. Just as just as once again. You have to merge those opposites to create a new physical child on earth. What does that mean you have to do for your spiritual life? You have to merge the opposites so you can so you can birth Christ within. Get it? Now, the zodiac, the whole zodiac, I'm just going to show a few things here, okay? But the whole zodiac is telling the story, okay? Story of your rebirth. It's all referencing aspects of birth. And in one sense, like once again, the, the literalist sort of fundamentalist Christian would be like, oh, this is all perverse and it's all focused on the vagina. Number one is if there's anything wrong with that. I mean, have you ever been there? It's a pretty great place. I'm, I'm a big fan. <laughs> but jokes aside, you know, there's nothing, there, what's more miraculous and magical and beautiful than, than birth, right? So the story of the stars is telling this all day long. The Aquarius, what's the symbolism? What's one of the symbols that we can take of this? The water pouring forth. What is it? Is that the waters breaking? What's right next to Aquarius? Well, it's the Pisces, the Vesica Pisces. It's two fish. Literally, the Jesus fish is created from the Vesica Pisces. Pisces. And what do you have there? The Vesica Pisces. That's, a once again, a geometric vagina where the waters are breaking from this geometric vagina. And then what's the first thing that comes out during birth? Aries is the head. That's the first thing. That comes out, is supposed to anyway. I came out ass first. Sorry, mom. If you're not a complete weirdo like myself, the head is supposed to be the first thing that emerges from the vagina. There's the vesica Pisces, the geometric vagina, and what's the first thing that comes out? Aries, the head. 
Look at this. The head is also called the ovaries. And right next to the ovaries is the uterus. So right next to the, once again, all these references, this is all symbolism. There's your, um, the torus is even shaped, your, the uterus, the uterus is even shaped like a bull's head. Okay, this is a thing called, um, ah, what's it called? Doctrine of signatures is what it's called. It's where something appears in nature looks like something else. You know what I mean? Like the, it's, I don't want to get into that. But anyway, the point is, is like the uterus, the torus, the uterus, the torus looks like a bull. And it's the uterus. And in that uterus is the ovaries. And the ovaries, and that's all coming from the that's within the womb of the the vagina, the geometric vagina, which is the vesica pisces. And then, of course, what's what's born from the 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 geometric vagina, the I don't know, maybe a pair of twins. <laughs> now go to the go on the other side here. Look at this. You have the penis, the vagina merging together, and during that time, once again, sidereally, what's happening? The birth of the sun. Okay. there Now look at the Virgo. We're going to look at the Virgin Mary here a second. What did the Virgin Mary do? Through this miraculous conception, right? Immaculate conception. She gives birth to Christ. What? Okay, so now we've got the Virgin Mary. What's the next thing? It's balance. Well, what are we supposed to do? What does the Freeman, what does the compasses and square tell us to do? Balance. Compasses and square. Perfectly balanced. When a man and woman unite, what happens? It's balance. It's the uniting of opposites. It's a perfect, it's a balance to bring to bring forth new birth. Okay? Our entire zodiac is telling the story, in other words, of your death and rebirth. And it's all reflected in physical birth. Okay? So... Let's look, and then we're going to uh, wrap this up. Okay. So, during, now we have the story of Christ on the cross, which does not happen in December. So it's like, oh, well, we got the, the Southern Cross here. Let's go back here. We've got the Southern Cross here. And it's like, oh, we've got the compasses in the square, and there's the death of the sun and the rebirth. But that's not... Christ is, you know, was more towards like March or whatever, right? Whatever, whatever. when he was well, allegedly died and reborn and that sort of thing. That's when we celebrate Easter. I guess it's April, but you get what I'm saying. You get what I'm saying. That's not even in the area of the sky we're talking about. So why, you know, what's going on here? What is actually happening though? Mary, Mary, Virgin Mary is giving birth to Christ. Represented once again, astronomically as the birth of the sun. So when we read in Matthew, this is what it says, okay? So behold the angel of the Lord. This is Matthew 1.20. Behold the angel of the Lord appeared unto Joseph in a dream, saying, Thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife. Don't just take her as your wife. It's all good. She's not a whore or anything like that, right? You don't have to privily put her away, as it says. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Then it says, Matthew one twenty one says, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. What's happening within Mary right now? Mary is undergoing this story of the birth of Christ the first thing that it really tells you about, one of the first things that Matthew is telling you about, 
is how Mary, our Blessed Virgin Mary, how she was reborn, how she reached salvation. This story is a symbolic tale, an allegory of how the Virgin Mary conceived Jesus Christ within herself from the Holy Ghost and gave birth to Christ just like you just like you must you must gift that you must get that gift from the holy ghost and within that merge it with the father and we'll, we'll show this and birth Christ within birth Jesus within you this is the esoteric tale of what's happening within Mary this is not just a story of Mary giving birth to Jesus this is a story of Mary reaching salvation being reborn reaching enlightenment through magical miraculous incorruptible means she the incorruption was put on her corruption and she conceived she birthed she was conceived impregnated with the seed of the, of the holy ghost and birthed anew christ this is the esoteric telling of this tale now let's read this again okay Behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, the son of David, fear not, take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Okay? Then it says this, Matthew one twenty one or Matthew one twenty two. Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled. So all this was done. So she had, you know, conceived Holy Ghost. She had reached enlightenment. And then a prophet said this, Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying this, Behold, a virgin shall be with a child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. And then it goes on to say, then it, then it gets right back into the story. Little side note there, and then it gets right back in the story. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took on his wife, and knew her not until she had brought forth her firstborn son and called his name Jesus. Okay? So the exoteric story, ah, Mary's giving birth to Jesus. The esoteric story is what? Her birthing Christ within. The exact thing that you must do. You must be reborn, which means you must die to your old self and be reborn, conceive of the Holy Ghost and birth Christ within. And that's exactly what's happening to Mary. Now, after this whole thing, notice it says, a prophet tells you that behold, a virgin shall be with a child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted as God with us. Wait a second. If the if the prophet was right, wouldn't, shouldn't it, the name be Jesus? They're literally just saying, she's going to bring forth the son, call his name Jesus, going to save people from his sins. Okay, pretty straightforward. Then the next two lines tells you about some prophet that's giving you a prophecy that's not Jesus, it's Emmanuel. And of course, most Christians be like, yeah, they're the one and the same. Why didn't they just call it Jesus then? Why Was the prophet wrong? Was the prophet didn't know Jesus' name? No. What's the prophecy telling you about? You. About how you behold a virgin. You must purify yourself. That's what virgin virginity means. You must purify yourself. And you shall be with a child. A new child, a new being will be born within you. A new child. That's exactly what it's happening. Your spiritual rebirth must reflect your physical birth. And shall bring forth a son, a light. It will bring forth the new light, the incorruptible light of God. 
and they shall call his name you. Emmanuel, which is what? God is with us. God is all around us, above all, through all, and within you all. And you're there to discover it. And when you discover it, you purify the self. And you'll bring forth that light and you'll have a new child born within you. And this is why the Virgin Mary, once again, there's been Christians that have looked at this sort of stuff and it's like, what is this? This is some sex magic thing. Our blessed Virgin Mary, you're equating her to a vagina? Yeah, absolutely. 100%. What do you think that is? How can you not tell me that, number one, that is the Virgin Mary, how can you tell me that that doesn't look like a vagina? Is this perverse? Is this some sort of sick joke? No. No. It's spiritual symbolism to tell you about your goal here. You're going to be born again. You're going to purify yourself. You're going to virginize yourself. And a new child is going to be born within you. It's going to be God with you. You'll have a new light within you. Okay? Nothing perverse. Not at all. Just talking about the beauty and miracle of childbirth and spiritual childbirth. So there's, once again, Mary in the center of the Vescopisis, the same place where Jesus is. The same place. And this is the thing that we have to... Um, I'll end with that. And this is the thing that is, you know, you really have to challenge, you know, Christians. Because it's like, here is all of these illustrations that are showing, at least in one sense, you know, one respect, Christ in the center of geometry. And then all we have to ask is like, well, okay, cool. That's cool that they constantly use this motif all over and illustrations and wood carvings and literally crafted into stone. Oh, okay, cool. What does it mean? I've never heard a Christian really even discuss it. And yet the very fish, the ictus fish, where we get that symbol comes from geometry. And how are we going to learn that? Well, we got to follow Christ. We got to follow that carpenter. We got to follow the carpenter and not be afraid of symbols. Because when we don't understand what these symbols mean, then we fill our head with all sorts of nonsense. Oh, it's all devil worship. They worship Beelzebub and they ride goats down there and all this other stuff. Are you sure? Or, or, or maybe you need, you need to self-initiate into those mysteries. Because there ain't nothing to fear there. Nada. Nothing. This will lead you to our blessed Mother Mary, Christ. That's where it's supposed to lead. And that's why that symbol is a symbol of rebirth. Life's mysteries may be uncovered and discovered by simply circling a compass round. That's it. God made it so simple. You... You know, put your compass down, put it on the point of the page and circle it around. And you know what you have? Everything you need to understand God. 
There are countless illustrations of Lord Jesus situated in the Vescopisis. Lord Jesus Christ is consistently found, found emerging from the central womb as the bladder of the fish, the mandorla, the almond. It's, uh, this center symbolically represents the birth of the word from the mouth of God. God saying, let there be light. This is a geometric boom, light merging from it, the birth of the creation. Hence, Jesus, the light being centered within the mandorla or almond, and is also akin to the geometric vagina or womb of creation, akin to the Virgin Mary giving birth to Jesus Christ, as well as God giving birth to his creation. This geometric entrance way leads back to the very first moments of creation, back to the point of God's unity before the unleashing of his mighty word and before the creation of heaven and earth itself. It's going that doorway, the doorway of Mary here, that geometric vagina, Vescopisis, leads you back into beyond duality, into the oneness and unity and totality of God. This entranceway is the doorway to eternal life, the doorway to be reborn. Out of the confines and constrictions of divided time, this geometric doorway is the straight and narrow gate back to the ultimate unity with God. Lord Jesus Christ forever sits inside this geometric opening, awaiting to welcome you home. To walk in that doorway, into that entrance. Recognize your oneness with God. Recognize that story is all around you. It's in symbols, and it's in your cosmology, and it's, 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 you, it's what you experience. It's in the zodiac, it's in the stars above, it's, it's within you. God's not elusive. He's everywhere. And the story of what you're doing here, what he puts you here for, is plastered everywhere. And Gnosticism, utilizing the, uh, the tools of the carpenter, <laughs> Gnosis being one of them, uh, will allow you to get back home into the loving arms of God. He, unspeakable. All right. That's going to do it. I hope you all enjoyed that. Um, next week, I think we're going to start on... Oh, we got some super chats here. I'm sorry. Amen. Just amazing clarity in these teachings. God bless. Thank you, Small Axe. Russell Johnson, 20. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the super chats. Uh, Andrew Masonette. Just purchased the hard copy of Lord Jesus Christ. Now I have all of your books. Please autograph it for me. Here's a little extra for today's service. Thank you. Um, oh, I really appreciate that. Next week, I think we're going to start on, I don't know, I think we're going to do Genesis, start on Genesis, at least do maybe one through three. I want to focus on um, Adam and Eve sort of separate, so we might end up just doing Genesis 1-1 for like two sermons or something. There's so much there, so much there. Unbelievable the amount of things that they could plaster into 10 words. It's unbelievable. So... Um, but yeah, I think it's either that or we'll do maybe Ephesians three I was looking at and I still want to get back to Mark. And so we'll see, we'll see what we're going to do next week, but I hope you all enjoyed that. Um, yeah, learning about death and rebirth, how important it is. Um, we've got some sermon. These are the ones I've working on. So if you guys, if there's anything you particularly want me to cover, please just send me an email and let me know and I'll try to get to it. Um, I know people want me to do revelation, but to be honest, there's a lot of things that we sort of need to do before we can do revelation. 
Um, and then when I get into that, I don't really see myself only doing half of it or something. I'd want to do all of it, which is, that's 22 chapters. So that's a lot, you know? So we'll see. Um, but that's definitely on the list. That's definitely on the hit parade. So upcoming sermons, we're going to do Cain and Abel. Oh, that's going to be fun. How many people have zero understanding what that story means? Unbelievably cryptic story. Super short. I think it's like maybe 12 verses or something. Don't quote me. Super short story. Just plastered in the Bible. And then it just moves on. And you're like, wait, what is all that? What did that? What the heck was that? Why was there some sacrifice? And when was the you know, tiller of soil? And the other guy was like animal husbandry. What's going on here? Okay, we'll cover that. Cain and Abel, Genesis 1, 1 through 1, 3. Serpent Mound and the Perennial Philosophy. I want to talk about how basically, once again, the, the many, many cultures understood these, these timeless tales, the eternal wisdom of God. And they couched it and, and wrapped it up into different ways, but it tells the same story. So we're going to look at the serpent mound and the perennial philosophy. How the serpent mound, literally just a mound shaped into a serpent, tells you about the stars above, about what you're to do here, about how you're to go slay a serpent, a dragon. It's all there. Um, Mark chapter 7, I want to get back to that. Like I said, Ephesians chapter 3, I want to talk about a prisoner of Christ and natural law, looking about how we're always in the jurisdiction of God. Um, we're going to do a chat with Amor. I'm going to head over to his place maybe the next week or two and, and do a chat and upload that. Talk about the cosmic egg of creation. And that'll be a few sermons, probably two at least, looking at the cosmic egg of creation. Um, the Epic of Gilgamesh, the Enuma Leash I want to do, uh, the Solar Bark, Kabbalah of Norse Myth. There's a ton of stuff that I'm, I'm working on. So, But I think next week we'll probably do Genesis 1-1. So... All right, if you want to become a member, uh, it's the best way to support the work. You can become a member for 5 bucks a month, 14 quarterly, or 54 for the year, and that's the annual monthly and quarterly tithing, and that's just to support the work, and it gets you access to all sorts of goodies, podcasts, interviews, you know, books, uh, documentaries, music, I don't know, all, all sorts of goodies there. The best way to support the work, so I really appreciate that. And I want to thank you all for joining me every Sunday. It really, it really means a lot to me that you guys are here uh, it's great to see this sort of growing. we got 156 watching right now, which is great. Okay. So, yes. Uh, and Genesis is definitely, definitely going to be good. There's so much there. So, okay. Guys, that's going to do it for me. May you always keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. May his grace be with you all. Amen. All right. I will see you. Same bad time, same bad channel, same bad place next Sunday at 9 o'clock. Okay, that's going to do it for me. Guys, I love you so much. Thank you so much for joining me and have an excellent week. All right. As always, many blessings and much love to all.